0: welcome to the future of agriculture podcast the show that explores the people companies and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness innovation resourcefulness and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge please welcome your host tim hammeridge how's it going thank you so much for Coming back for another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. If this is your first episode, uh, welcome. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and I get the pleasure of bringing you stories every week of the people, companies, ideas, shaping the future of agriculture and agribusiness. Today, I wanted to bring on a guest to the show, specifically someone who knew something about agriculture. Now, it, you know, about what five years ago now, it became so cliche to say things like there's an app for that because everyone you knew was developing an app, every company thought they needed an app, and the market just became saturated with these sort of surface level solutions to every single problem uh, that either does or does not exist out in the world. Now, that said, there still are a lot of real problems in agriculture that could and should be solved with good software. There's still is a lot of interest from the investment community in ag tech. In fact, I just got back from the mixing bowl. Uh, They did a food IT event in Mountain View, California, where I got to attend. And it's clear there's still a lot of investor interest in agriculture. It's seen as sort of this frontier, this old established industry that hasn't yet been revolutionized through technology. And certainly apps, uh, mobile apps specifically, play a big role in that narrative should it play out. So I wanted to bring somebody on the show that was going to give me some straight up information about apps. And I could find no better person uh, than Peter Schott, who's going to be on the show here today. In fact, he publishes a newsletter called No Bull in Ag Tech. So make sure you check out the show notes of this. Uh, You can find those at aggrad.com forward slash episode 60. Uh, big landmark here of episode 60. Very, very pleased to have Peter on the show because I think it's interesting to look at this from a couple angles. Number one, if you're if you're a farmer producer out there, um, we're going to talk a little bit about how technology has evolved and how perhaps someone like Peter who who lives and breathes technology looks at things, um, which I think could be interesting from that perspective. But also for those of us that are just entrepreneurial or anyone who's ever noticed a pain point that could potentially be solved through technology, what does the process look like of going going from uh, a a problem or something that could be done more efficiently to actually an app being developed. That's what we're going to talk to Peter about here today, and he's going to tell us uh, One thing that I think should be interesting to all of us, which is sort of the best ideas come from really, really knowing the audience and knowing the problem. Um, Another way of putting this is scratching your own itch, right? If you have a problem and you're the one solving it, you already are leaps ahead of those people, not from agriculture because you experienced the problem yourself. So anyone who's ever had an idea that there should be an app or software for listen closely as we talk to Peter about the process of how solutions become technologies. Enjoy my interview here with Peter Schott.
1: When I was younger, my parents got an IBM PC Jr. Uh, to use uh, for the farm business and different things. And, and what year would, would have that been? That would have been in like 1984. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a funny story, actually, I, I, I just rediscovered that old, original computer. They'd given it to my aunt a number of years ago when she was taking some business classes, and we were helping her move to a different apartment, and there it was in a closet uh, in perfect condition. And so I asked her if I could have it because she wasn't using it, it's sitting in my garage, and I'm going to try to <laughs> hook it up one of these days here and, and use it. But, yeah, they got that for the farm, and... I think we all have moments in our life where we discover something that we just know we're excited about and computers and technology was that I was going to really just take to and enjoy, um, having in my, in my life. And so just kind of an awakening for me at a very young age.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. So in 1984, what would your, what would, what farm applications would your parents use a computer for?
1: Uh, then they were using, there were some really, really basic, um, like accounting spreadsheet kind of stuff and word processing and and that kind of thing. Um, But it was really uh, crude (laughs) type of stuff. This was back before there was even an operating system. I mean, it just booted up into the basic programming language or if you had cartridges that you plugged in the front of the, uh, or disks that you booted up into. So this is right around the time when Bill Gates was dropping out of Harvard and getting MS-DOS
0: <laughs> started. So <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's way early on. So your parents must be pretty progressive as well when it comes to technology. Yeah,
1: they they saw a need for it and and uh, IBM PC Junior was not a cheap computer backed in by any stretch of the imagination and they, they put some money into having one of those there to to use it and just kinda grew up along along
0: with it. And does your family still farm now?
1: Dad uh, farms he's getting close to retiring, and then my uh, middle brother is looking to take over the farm. Uh, he's a nurse anesthesia, anesthesiologist by trade, and then he farms on the side. So I like to joke that he makes his money in anesthesia and loses it <laughs> farming. But no, he's got, a, he's got a desire to keep the family farm going and, and work in that, in that business. So they're in the middle of uh, um, the transition process between, between the two of them.
0: Cool. Well, let let me ask you this, uh, from, so from 1984, uh, to, you know, using those basic word processing applications, et cetera, to, to now, what, what has been kind of the biggest game changer technology that's come along for, for your family's farm?
1: You know, I, I think when I think of the stuff that my brother is doing, he really is trying to be innovative and just the best at farming. Uh, practices in general and so getting into uh, different things with uh, precision ag with you know stuff on the hardware side that you know, he knows a lot more about just just some of the different technologies available that you can use for for tillage and different different things with applicating uh, applying fertilizer and, and side dressing and that kind of stuff to he start to think about the data that's available with uh, field maps and zones and variable rate and um, I know one of, one of the fields that, that he farms, it's very hilly, and the tops of the hills are sand hills, and then there's very uh, dense soil down in the low spots with it. And uh, before he got into doing variable rate with that, you could see, uh, like, he would plant the field with corn, and the corn would look level from eyesight, meaning that the stuff down in the dips were very tall and the stuff on the hilltops was very short. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, using, using zone zone technology and and variable rate on his fertilizer and his planting he's able to push his yield in the low spots and and go more sparse on on the hills so he can maximize his yield and his inputs
0: and then he saves on he saves on the money on inputs as well as giving the plant exactly what they need based on uh, the data collected in in their zone is that right
1: right right and another thing he started using a few years ago that it's it's funny how the simple things are the ones that they impress me
0: <laughs> the
1: most. It's the why didn't I think of that. Ideas like row shutoffs on a planter.
0: Spoken you know, like a true farmer. It's always the simple innovations yeah. that are the <laughs> mo- are the coolest, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's such a no-brainer idea, but you, you think about when these guys plant a field at an angle and how much seed gets wasted you know, by over, over um, planting your headers, where is if you could just, um, you know, shut it off row by row on that and and do something like that, you can save a lot on your, on your seed inputs.
0: Right. Well, uh, so now you are a partner at Myriad Mobile to tell us about, uh, your company and, and what you do in your role.
1: So Myriad Mobile is a, uh, mobile application it's a service company that really started with uh, two guys in their college um, dorm rooms where they uh, you know about six years ago saw a future in mobile technology started going around to local businesses to try to build apps for them and the two of them were you know they found themselves competing with each other on bids on projects and so they decided it'd be best to work with each other rather than against each other and so they started Uh, their company, and it's grown up and grown as the mobile uh, industry has over over the past uh, six years, and so growing from a two-person group to, I think we're up to 40-some employees now that, you know, going from working with local, you know, radio and and mom-and-pop shop type businesses to uh, doing work for uh, larger enterprise groups like uh, U.S. Bank. We've done some work with Monsanto. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff in the in the ag industry with 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 larger accounts that uh, we wouldn't have done uh, five years ago with a three person shop. And so, you know, with our company, we've got a it's a, it's a full service group Android, iOS, uh, web developers, uh, back-end developers. We have uh, project managers, UX/UI designers, uh, business analysts who we call mobile strategists that uh, we can really take on any part of a project, whether it's an end-to-end project for a customer, or we can augment different areas where they want to uh, accelerate their their growth. And so that's really been the core of Myriad's business. Now, about a year and a half ago, we started to develop a a product for the ag industry, and it grew out of uh, a project that we'd done for the uh, Mindax Sugar Beet Cooperative where uh, four years ago, the cooperative came to us uh, with an idea just to start collecting data uh, from the growers on the agronomy side and also be able to give them um, reports on some of their data to see their scale tickets and contracts and those things and um, connecting to their different systems they were using. And so year over year, they uh, kept investing in that, uh, in that product for their growers. They, they found uh, that every single one of their farms was using it so they had a hundred percent farm adoption rate. And, you know, when, when a co-op continues to invest their money in a product, it's it's a testament to the <laughs> to the use and, and the value of it. And so uh, you know, we looked at what what was going on there. We said I think there's a we said there's a good application of this in the grain industry. And so one of our co-founders, Ryan Raguse, who'd been working with MINDAC, really spearheaded that effort to bring that product over into into the grain side so growers can see their scale tickets, see their contracts, uh, notifications from the elevator rather than getting a text message or going on their website and really just make a tool and make a platform that makes it easier for co-ops to do business with growers and vice versa.
0: And so in, in with that platform, that's something that you guys are creating in that Myriad owns?
1: That's correct, yeah. So we started that about a year and a half ago. We did our, a pilot project with a few local um, elevators and co-ops last last fall and, and through kind of the the harvest season, and just to really prove out prove out the platform, prove out the adoption rate, get things figured out with uh, how we're doing the integrations into different systems, and start to get a product roadmap uh, put together. And uh, you know we had really good results with that, and so now we're uh, scaling expanding that, and we recently raised one point five million in investment for. Um, bringing that product uh, to market, and you know, just adding features to it, adding to the sales team, um, branding—all those types of things—that now that we know how to walk, we want to run and push with
0: it. Cool. And does that product have a name yet? Uh, it's called Bushel. Oh, that's right. You said that. I'm sorry. It's called Bushel. Yeah. No, that's okay. And is it is it active uh, or what stage is it in now?
1: It, it is active. We have. Uh, I've lost count of the number of co-ops that we have on it. I think there's over 2,000 growers using the platform. Right now it's, it's active in a number of different states with uh, anything from a co-op to an ethanol plant that are, are using it to work with, work with growers.
0: And you also, in addition to, so amiriad Myriad's got the, the cl- kind of client services where if I'm a company and I have an app idea, you will build it for me. Also, right. this bushel app that you're building internally. And, um, ha- walk me through, I guess, an example project that you would work with a client on. Like what, what would be an example of, uh, you know, a problem they're trying to solve and how do you mm-hmm. kind of walk them through that process?
1: Yeah, when I started at Myriad, I was the team lead for what was called the Strategy and Design team, and so that was our our UX/UI team. It was our project managers, it was our mobile strategists, and I spent about a year working with that team to um, change some processes, get some new people involved, and kind of restructure how <clears throat> how that group was was working, so it could work more, more closely with the production and the sales team. And so we got that to the point where where that group uh, really made sense for them to kind of be all in the same group as development and and production. And so I moved into a sales role last February. And with that, you know, I was told go sell mobile technology and agriculture and just kind of left it (laughs) at that. And so I started reaching out to people in my network and talking about, just really asking questions, what are you seeing as being needs for mobile technology? And one of the opportunities that came out of that was to meet with a friend and a colleague of mine at the Midwest uh, Poultry Show in St. Paul, which I didn't even know there was a show called the Midwest Poultry Show. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I went to that and met with him, and while I was there, there was a trade show. And I thought, well, as long as I'm here talking to this guy, I should go to this trade show, and I'm going to just, just talk to the different production companies that are out there and just really just start asking, like, what are some of the needs that you see in mobile and what's answering those problems and what isn't today? And so started walking around the trade show, and I noticed, gosh, there's a lot of technology companies at the show, a lot of software companies trying to sell software anything from like Binway systems to ERP systems to reporting and dashboards and that kind of stuff. And I, I really pivoted my approach. Rather than talking to the uh, production groups, I started talking to these software tech companies and just asking them, You know, what are they doing? What are their thoughts on mobile and how are they approaching that? And I found that, you know, a lot of these groups that are software technology groups they have been around for 15, 20 years or however long it was. They've got a fully established team and a product line that's maintaining their current system. And there's a real challenge on how to get into mobile because, number one, you have to, you know, if you choose to hire up a team, you have to build that team, which it takes a lot of time to, to hire and bring Bring a group together and keep people interested in the product and and recruiting, depending on on the area you're in. Uh, it just can take a lot of time and money to do that. And so there's a temptation to use your existing team, which you know they're really busy at as it is just trying to maintain your existing product and they don't have the skill set and the eye for, you know, mobile coding or mobile design and those things. And so to have a group like, like Myriad on the service side where, you know, we've got a 42-person a, a team where I think about 30 of that group is 30 people in that group are involved in uh, production, uh, you know, to bring that experience to the table where, you know, these people have worked on projects for manufacturing, for banking, for grain production, for sugar beets. And so to have that broad perspective, we can, they we can bring a different perspective than what they would have had if they're just working with their own internal team and we can kind of mix and match uh, what we need to help them grow. So they may have a couple Android developers and they want to scale up iOS or they don't have anyone and they want us to do the whole project or maybe they've got a whole development team and they want, you know, our input on, on user experience. And so, you know, when, when we've got a user experience team that has spent literally thousands of hours developing interfaces and user experience for what you would think of as your typical farm operator persona um, that's a valuable thing for for companies and so that's really where I found my success in sales I started working with a number of different uh, software tech companies in the feed and animal production industry like uh, MetaFarms and Animal Health International were two that have been uh, really good partners uh, for us to, to help them kind of meet those meet those needs and, and scale into this uh, new phase of technology.
0: Is, is developing for farmers or for people in the ag community different uh, than developing for, you know, let's say if you were developing an app for gamers or something? And, and where do those differences kind of come into play?
1: I, I think there's a lot of similarities where a group has to do a good job knowing who your customer is. And listening to them and understanding what are their needs and how can you make that work. You know, a, a gamer is going to be a different use case than someone sitting on on a tractor. And so, the look and the feel of an of an app or the user experience with what they click through to get to things are going to be very different. So, the execution of some really basic ideas is going to be different, but the basic the basic principles are the same.
0: Okay. And, and you write a, uh, a news occasional newsletter called no bull in ag tech. Uh, can, can you talk to us about that? Why, yeah. why the name no bull in ag tech?
1: Well, for one thing, I wanted to be able to just, you know, I, I found I find myself sharing links to articles with customers and prospects quite a bit where, you know, I'll be, I've got a lot of different Google searches set up for um, different things around, around technology and agriculture and, it's a way to share just industry-related articles without having a sales pitch or anything where I'm trying to just check in with them or sell them something. It's just to um, get their perspective on things and, and share it. And so I wanted a, a, a vehicle to, to do that that was a little more um, structured and processed around um, being able to send these rather than just randomly sending articles to people <laughs> every once in a while. Because, you know, I, I got a lot of really good discussions going with people when I, when I would share them. And so it was something people were finding Valuable uh, I chose the name no bull because you know, I, I've, I've been to a number of different trade shows and conferences and uh, Honestly, I'm tired of you, you go to these shows and these presentations and these seminars are just really thinly veiled advertorials for a product or a service and I think farmers and just people in ag tech deserve better <laughs> than that. Then just uh, you know, not everything that people have to send them has to be a sales pitch <laughs> or right. you know, trying to trying to get something for them to use as a service. It can just be here are trends in the industry. You should know about it. What do you think? <laughs> and so that's that's kind of where the the, the no bull side of it came from. I, I don't I mean I I think there is, you know, there's some level of bull in ag tech. I mean there's a level of bull in any <laughs> industry that's been around for a while, and if you look at at agriculture, I mean, you don't have to look much further than uh, seed technology or uh, things that, you know, when when you look at the different um, things with uh, crop production or services or um, all these different uh, micronutrients and enzymes and things that that groups have, there's a lot of good products out there, but then there's a lot of snake oil, Mm. too. (coughs) And and so mobile technology isn't is the first uh, time around that farmers have gotten a pitch on the next latest and greatest thing that's going to, you know, for X dollars per acre, you're going to gain this much yield improvement, right? They've been hearing that story for a long time. And so mobile tech is just kind of the latest um, or just technology in general is the latest, um, <laughs> the latest flavor of that.
0: How do you think farmers can tell the difference between, you know, what is snake oil and and what is real with with just really one growing season a year in in almost all cases? uh, They don't really have the ability to kind of test it out. So Mm -hmm. how can they kind of tell the difference between what is what is good technology, useful technology and what is just salesmanship?
1: Well, I I think this is a problem for agriculture in general right now with technology that you look at how technology is just changing across the board with precision ag with data with uh, treatments on seed to just seed genetics in general you know the days of buying a variety of corn and testing it for two years before you incorporate it across your farm are gone there's there's turnaround on varieties so much faster and that's just that's happening across the board, and so it's really looking for who are trusted advisors that you work with and have a good relationship with that can help you make those types of recommendations
0: uh, do, you, do you think farmers are kind of just getting tired of hearing about the next latest and greatest thing that's going to improve their business
1: I think they've been hearing it their whole career, so it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nothing new I, I think as it, as it relates to software and data technology there you know there's been a lot of um, you know promises over the years and things that have, you know, with you looked at the tech bubble in the late, the late 90s that um, impacted agriculture as well, and so you know people were really trusting and got got burned by some fly-by-night <laughs> groups, and so yeah, there there is apprehension to um, to trying new providers or taking things on, and and I think for good reason. I know we were at the InfoAg Show last year, and I think we saw 15 different groups that. Um, at each of their booths, they had pictures of field maps, they had a drone, and they talked about charts, KPIs, and decision making. And I, I looked at Ryan and I said, is it just me or is it 15 companies doing basically the same thing, packaged up a little, a little differently here. And so you know, we polled those companies there and asked which ones were profitable. And out of the 15, there was three that said they were profitable. And out of those three, which ones were telling the truth?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and and I think if you look at just investments in ag tech in in general, specifically software, it it had been on the rise up until last year. And there's um, so Silicon Valley and all these groups are throwing money into it. And so there's a lot of people trying to kind of stake their territory in the ground. And, you know, who do you who do you work with? That's it's a it's an important question to answer.
0: Yeah. A lot of people listen to this podcast are, you know, coming at agriculture from a a business perspective, especially an entrepreneurial perspective. Uh, How can someone determine there's a lot there's a lot of great apps out there, but there's also a lot of just bad ideas that maybe should have been caught as bad ideas from from the outset. How can someone tell if if they've got an idea of, of an app, how can they tell if like, okay, this is one that's worth pursuing or no, this is just flawed from from the beginning?
1: Well, I think it goes back to knowing your customer. And so, if you have an idea, start to uh, feel that idea out before you get head on into developing it. You know, work with, you know, reach out. There's a lot of different industry groups and, and groups in agriculture. If you're not uh, connected to farmers in your um, in your area, um, to just ask them. Uh, there's different different forums online. We can start talking to growers and just you know feel out ideas. Uh, when we work with Customers at at Myriad. That's one of the first things that we do is we run it through what we call a qualifications process internally, where we uh, start to search out, you know, what are what are the competitors? This idea, what's the addressable market for it? Uh, what what need are you solving that um, isn't being solved already, or what are you doing differently with it? And so, you're know, helping people kind of walk through that, and then before you develop an idea, start to build out what is your vision for it? What is your customer? Who What problem are you going to solve and then doing some work on prototyping uh, in a design tool before you actually build an app because then you can take it out to people and show it to them and start to get their type of their response to it. And so I'll send you the link to this later, but there was an article in Wired in May and maybe you saw this, but there was a thing about Silicon Valley and the water problem in California. And this article talks about how it's it's interesting how when you look at California, their two biggest industries are production agriculture and technology. Hmm. But there's been such a divide between those two <laughs> between right. those two worlds that they don't understand each other. Uh, and and one of the quotes from the article that I thought was the most telling about a that specific problem, but also just technology and agriculture in general is uh, here's the quote: the biggest mistake people make they don't understand what the on the ground needs and limitations are you can only grasp that by talking and especially listening to growers if you don't you're just another entrepreneur with a gadget looking for a problem right and so <laughs> find find growers find groups that you can talk to and build relationships with and start to you know collaborate with them on on your idea uh, don't look for or take on a lot of investment before you have the idea proven out cuz i think once people get Money behind them, it, it makes it a lot easier to make mistakes or build things that that people don't need. And 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 when I've listened to entrepreneurs' stories across across the board, like um, like the Damon from Shark Tank, he talks about when he was developing Fubu, he would build, you know, his mom would stitch some clothes for him. He'd go out and sell it, and then he'd take the money from that and do something else. And he was really thankful he did not get a lot of money right away because it would have You know, he wouldn't have listened to his customers. He would have just started building things. And so the more people can can do that, keep their ear to the ground and talking to people and just building things in collaboration with their customer, the better off they're going to be.
0: Right. Yeah, I think, you know, what I've kind of noticed, and this isn't necessarily true just to ag tech, but in entrepreneurship in general is someone Mm -hmm. will get an idea and they'll be so excited about their idea. And they really kind of deep down won't want someone to tell them what the flaws are in the idea because they think, Oh, I can, I can raise money with this and this is so exciting. And I, I, you know, I'm, I've got a huge vision and I can see in my head where this would be enormously successful and that they'll almost deliberately not talk to a potential customer or someone who might be critical of the idea because it's just so much fun to dream about it. Uh, it it seems like in ag tech is as guilty as any entrepreneurship, but in general, it's, it's sometimes so much fun to think about our idea that we, deliberately avoid the, the reality of it
1: <laughs> right well and that's one of the things you know here at myriad with our bushel platform we we've, we've tried really hard not to not to do just that you know we we worked with MINDAC for four years they had you know grower group meetings twice a year where we'd meet with their growers and talk about the app and get feedback on it and now with our bushel platform uh, rachel who's our kind of our lead on our product design for she does uh individual and group sessions with growers of all different um, ages and backgrounds. Um, You know, my, my dad was one of the people that, that did that. And he's in his mid sixties, he's got a iPhone and you know, there's things he really likes about tech and things that um, you know, as, as anyone, they may not (laughs) have the best understanding of it, but just to, you know, have them use the app, talk about, what works best? What makes sense? What don't understand? What, what would you like to see? And having those types of conversations with growers to help shape what would we add into this next before we build out this, um, this big uh, roadmap for something that you, know, you may find out people aren't going to use or they're using it in a way that you never expected they would and, and to be able to respond to that. So going in shorter release cycles. Uh, talking to growers, uh, having people involved in the in the design of it, I think everybody wants to be the next Steve Jobs, where they they build it and people will will come. <laughs> but you know, I think I think the industry is best served if people spend more time listening to their listening to their customers and and working alongside them rather than telling them what they need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a universally true principle just for the agriculture industry in general. It's like, Hey, you may disagree with what the consumer wants, but let's start with what the consumer wants and, and, and meet that and meet that need, you know, the best way we possibly can. What what do you think your dad would say about what, what's his favorite sort of technology that's come along for, for agriculture?
1: You know, I, I, one of the questions that you were asking is about, uh, apps and technology. And so, um, you know, for them, I think technology in general, auto steer and the GPS has been really exciting. I wish I would have had that growing up on the farm. I either had like a little thumb mark on the window or a piece of tape <laughs> to to do my to do my row guidance. You know, and now they just they sit in there and it it uh, when they turn, then it just kind of locks in and and goes. That's something I'm I'm personally jealous of, just because it makes uh, operating machinery a lot less <laughs> stressful. But then just the the phone as a as a communication tool it's you know i i i joke when i when i do the talks or just talking in general that you know i've got this smartphone and every once in a while i make a phone call on it you know but how yeah, how many other ways with with whatsapp or twitter or facebook or these different groups that you can you could talk to anyone around the world or even skype that we're making this call with you could talk to anyone around the world for free and communicate and share information and you and i we we met on twitter Yep. And that's why this interview is happening today. I mean, that type of technology to connect people is really exciting.
0: Yeah, it is exciting. And I think a lot of people haven't quite connected the dots on that. I talked to a lot of young people coming out of college that want to sort of get plugged into the industry. And I always tell them, you know, almost every single one of my podcast guests, and, and you're now, I think, number 60, uh, mm-hmm. has come from either Twitter or LinkedIn, just <laughs> starting to communicate there or <laughs> even sending a cold message. Is like, it's the same thing. You want to get plugged into an industry on LinkedIn. You can find the major players in that industry and connect directly with them. It's it's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for B2B, but also for getting plugged into a career in the first place. Right.
1: I um, talk about Twitter with, with people and just how powerful the tool it is. And one example that I share is how, uh, a number of years ago, and then probably like five, six years ago, <clears throat> I was sitting down with my wife one evening. We we're watching a cooking show on public television made, made in Spain by uh, Jose Andres. And he had a Spanish accent. I hadn't really heard of him as a chef before, like the show. And I thought, I wonder if he does a show in Spanish or if he's ever done a show in Spanish. So I looked him up on Twitter, and I asked a question and tagged him on it. Within a half an hour, I got a response from this guy. He was in Ontario doing something for a show or something else. And he said, yeah, he has done some Spanish shows in the past. And I was able to, to talk to him and get a response out of my living room you know, before the show was even done when he was in another country. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's extremely powerful. And, and there's been a lot of conversation about Twitter, trying to get their act together financially and struggling a little bit. And certainly there's still a lot of people who don't quite get it, but there's, I can't think of something that just makes the whole world more accessible than Twitter. I mean, every conversation, right. every person. It's just, uh, it's, it's really incredible. And I'll be honest, I, I have been a member or on Twitter since 2008, but it has, it's been about a year and a half that I really kind of got it and started engaging. And um, it's an extremely powerful tool. For, for, for an entrepreneur or someone who has an app idea and they, they have kind of tested it and decided, okay, this is something that I think really would have a market, what does the process look like if they wanted to engage with a firm like yours to get it developed and, and uh, bring it to market?
1: Yeah, so what we'll do is, you know, we'll sit down with them and, and just get to know them in stages and want to hear about what, what is their idea and how is it going to benefit. Uh, their customers, uh, what's their what's their background in it? who are their competitors? and that just type of really basic business analysis that a group should do before bringing an idea to market and that kind of helps us get a pulse on how serious they are. Um, you know what what kind of budget do they have for it? Is it something that that they're self-funding or is there a group behind it and who who are those people and what what is their most? We really want to get a sense of who they are, what are they trying to do and what are they what are they hoping to accomplish with it and so, Through that, we can help them kind of understand what's the best approach to bring an idea to market. A lot of people will come to me and say, I need an app for X, Y, Z. And my first question to them is, do you really need an app for that? And so we start to talk about, you know, is a mobile app the best approach or are you going to do something with web or is there a better way to accomplish this and also thinking about what is the kind of the ecosystem or the platform behind that, the things that you're bringing together so once once we have a sense of that then we move into more of a, a project phase where we'll start with the discovery and we get people from our development team people from our mobile strategy uh, from our design group together and meet with them for about four to six weeks off and on just to kind of go through you know build out their functional requirements build out their user stories build out their their wireframes and their design pieces and start to get an understanding of you know what is it going to cost for them to develop it, and then after that we would move into development phase where we take, you know, we kind of take that laundry list of ideas that they built out in the discovery and break that out into, into chunks. You know, they may have a half million dollars worth of ideas to build, and, and we say, let's let's start with maybe two of those. <laughs> right. get, what are your top three things that you know people are going to need? Let's get that onto a platform, get it out there, start working with your users to see what's next, and then build your roadmap out based on on that and just kind of work in iterative phases with them
0: how long does that part take i mean to to get to if they've got like one one function they want done to get an app from idea to downloadable on a phone
1: you know three months is a pretty safe number for that uh you can get stuff done more quickly than that and you can take more time to that and build build bigger but you know by the time you get people developing it and have something finished and then do some Internal QA work and some user acceptance testing to release that's Usually about the bare minimum that I throw out to people in terms of turnaround to have something on the on the market
0: Okay, and Peter where where do you see as kind of the biggest unsolved problems in ag? Uh, that could potentially be solved through through mobile technology
1: You know, I, I think as people are collecting these just mountains of data from from all these different different sources. I think there's there's two things. Number one is how to connect all these different systems together. Um, I just went to a conference for Ag Gateway, which is a, a, a tech and different industry group around all these different verticals in agriculture come together for how do we build a ecosystem. And there's a thing called the ADAPT framework that they've been building out with that. So and we think about what it takes to get something from a yield monitor in a combine to a farm accounting system and tying that into prescriptions for agronomy to their seed group to whatever it is there's no standards out there for that and so this group has been working for a number of years to put that together and I think by extension mobile will be a good platform to um, to, to utilize that data and interact with it I think around the reporting and decision making and interaction with these different groups that's a big area for mobile is ultimately how can growers make sense of all this information Mm -hmm. you know you think about people that have a um, yield monitor they're collecting data for six seven years and what are they doing with it right now how are they using that to make decisions about their farm either in real time or as quickly as they can to influence it so that's an area i think that's that's most exciting for me right now
0: Very cool. Well, I have I have reached uh, I've actually surpassed the amount of time that I asked you to give to me this morning. But just before we go, um, where could people contact you or find out more about uh, what you're up to through either your newsletter or through getting involved with Myriad Mobile?
1: Yeah. So they could go to uh, Myriad Mobile's website. Um, My LinkedIn page is a good spot to, to connect with me to start or my account on Twitter. I'm pretty active on on both of those. And so I can send you some specific links for that if you want to include those in show notes or wherever you want to put those.
0: I'll definitely include them. Thank you, Peter, so much for your time this morning. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed the conversation too. Thanks for reaching out.
0: I really enjoyed that interview with Peter Schott. I hope you enjoyed that as well. And uh, what are your ideas for apps or technologies that the industry is lacking in. I would love to hear any thoughts, however probable or improbable, on Twitter, I'm at Tim Hamridge. And thank you very much for the love Uh, this podcast has been getting on iTunes. I think reading these reviews at the end of every episode has been helpful and uh, serving as a good reminder for you just to take 30 seconds, hop on iTunes, and leave us at the Future of Agriculture podcast a rating and review. I really enjoyed this one from High Country Horse. Uh, The title is awesome. It says Great in the Tractor. Uh, I love this podcast, especially the interviews with folks in a niche side of agriculture, as I am. Thanks, Tim. Hey, thanks, High Country Horse. Really appreciate that. And for all of you listening, I would certainly love a rating review on iTunes to help get the word out about this show. And we are part of also the Farm and Rural Ag Network. Check that out at farmruralag.com. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to next week. I have some great ideas uh, coming off of my trip to California for series and guests. And uh, I think you're really, really going to love some new formats we're going to play with on the show. So stay tuned. I hope you're subscribed. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit aggrad.com, that's A-G-G-R-A-D.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.